Hello, and welcome to another episode of Things My Boyfriend Likes, the podcast where I try to impress my boyfriend by talking about things he likes. I'm your host, the ghost of Christmas past, here with Theorius Theostopher Theorio, my raven co-host. Say hello, Theo. (laughs) Oh, you're such a kidder. Today is a very special episode because it's part two of our Cowboy Bebop deep dive. Today, we're going to be talking about women. But before we get to that, I would like to thank today's sponsor, My Job, because I got to write the script of this during my job. So it was basically like I got paid. Thank you, My Job, for being so boring that I could multitask. Now let's get into it. So this episode is going to be broken down into three sections. First, we're going to talk about Faye. Secondly, we're going to talk about Ed. And thirdly, we're going to talk about some of the other more minor female characters and how they're represented, as well as how they fit into the mosaic of overall female representation in this series. So let's talk about Faye Valentine. So Faye overall is definitely not my favorite character, but she is really interesting. I think my first assumptions of her was that obviously she and Spike were going to get together and that was just going to be the romantic subplot of the series and it was really refreshing to see that that didn't happen. Um, She doesn't end up with Spike, she doesn't end up with Jet, she doesn't end up actually with anyone, which trying to put aside my general distaste for having to have a romantic subplot in literally every single piece of media whatsoever, particularly if there's a woman in it, I find that this is really refreshing. And I think that there's some obvious big benefits to not spending a lot of the very limited screen time that this show has, particularly when you know that there's not a second series. You only have 26 episodes. Each episode is roughly 20 minutes. You do not have a lot of time. And because we don't have to spend at least half of the runtime or a third of the runtime getting them together and like creating this slow burn and like having them deal with relationship issues, that means that we get to focus on other things. And what this means for Faye is that despite not being the main character, she gets more of a character arc than I think a lot of female characters do, particularly in older media, particularly if they're not the main character. We get to see more of her flaws. We get to see her exploring more of her past. They're just able to do other things with her because they're not mostly using her as a romantic partner. That's not her purpose in this story, so she gets to have a different purpose, which is just really nice to see and really not what I expected from something like this, particularly when you know that I've had issues with women in other anime that I've seen. Um, So far, this is probably the best representation of women that I've seen out of all of the admittedly very limited Japanese media that I have consumed. It feels pretty good. Faye has, like, a real flaw. She has real flaws. It's fucking great. Um, The flaw isn't like, oh, I can't ever let anyone help me because I'm just a strong, powerful woman. And the flaw also isn't, oh, I'm just wrecked with anxiety, which seem to be, like, the default options for women. You can have one or the other. 
uh, depending on if they're extroverted or introverted. That's just like if we were in the Witcher universe right now, those would be your only options. So it's nice to see that she has a soft side and a gambling addiction. And she's also just a complete bitch, but also nice and sweet at the same time. I don't like her as a character and I don't want to see more of her, but I appreciate the fact that she is well-rounded in a way that a lot of female characters aren't. And I think a large part of that is because she just had screen time to devote to other things. Of course, we still do get those like gratuitous boob shots. She walks around in like short shorts and the low cut top and like most of her is exposed. Um, there's, you know, scenes where she's in a bikini. I'm thinking particularly about the um, cowboy bounty hunter scenes where she's in this like dress with just her boobs just up to her chin. We see her in various poses and in various close-up ways that we don't see the male characters in and I feel like, you know, it feels a bit inevitable in some ways. Like, despite the fact that she has other purposes than, you know, just being the woman who's fuckable on the ship, there's definitely some at least fan service going on there that they know that that's what people wanted to see and that's what they gave them. It does feel kind of lazy, though. Like, it doesn't feel like it's a part of her character necessarily or like it's a part of the, you know, intent of the show. It's just, it feels like showing her that way was kind of the default, so they showed her that way. It would have been nice if we didn't have that, or at least if we got equal parts of that and Jet and Spike were also relatively attractive. But, you know, that was never going to happen. <laughs> but let's circle back and talk about the romantic subplot that she actually does have. It's only one episode where she meets up with the lawyer insurance adjuster guy who essentially tries to rescue her or pretends that he's rescuing her from her debt. And we get this he specifically references him being her knight in shining armor and her being a damsel in distress. And in those moments, when she just gets out of cryogenic freezing, she is a damsel in distress. I appreciate that we get to see her that way, even though we obviously know that she's a very strong and capable woman. I find often that when men try to write strong and capable women but don't really know what they're doing, they can just completely avoid having her require any sort of help whatsoever. And that's just not realistic. And then it doesn't allow people to build connections. You know, if there's no vulnerability, how are you supposed to relate to that person? So I appreciate that we have these moments of vulnerability that show that she's like grown over time and she's learned how to stand up for herself and be more independent. And that's really nice. I don't feel like it takes away from her character having her have this damsel in distress moment, particularly because she's not actually rescued and she does end up having to rescue herself. But she's also not patronized in the way that, like, she's not supposed to want that guy to save her. Like, she's perfectly happy to have him save her once she, like, figures out or thinks she figures out what his intentions are. And I, I like that there's not just this, well, I'm going to save myself and there's nothing you could, like, no, she's accepting the help. It just turns out to not be very good. And I think this idea of her being the damsel in distress and briefly having a knight in shining armor who wasn't a knight in shining armor ties in overall very nicely to this theme of nobody gets a happy ending. This is a tragedy. And I think it's an interesting concept to say that 
despite Faye and Jet being the only characters that get to kind of go back to where they were, and I think Faye especially getting to go back to a happier state than where she was before when we met her when she was working for those other people and like struggling on her own and now she gets to go back to a place that like feels like home with someone who like despite Jet not liking her they are kind of like a found family still so out of everyone I think that Faye kind of has the most optimistic arc but because she doesn't end up with anybody because she doesn't have that stereotypical happy ending that we expect women to have. I think there's an extra added level of we're supposed to still feel really sorry for her because she didn't find her soulmate in a way that we're not necessarily supposed to feel that way about Jet and Spike, um, even though everybody ends up single. And again, I think that's also an interesting thing to look into of because they're single, does that inherently mean that they can't have an happy ending? Can you have a happy ending if you're single, especially if you're a woman? all of that kind of stuff. But I do appreciate that she wasn't just given a partner out of default and that we get to still see her evolve and grow and not end up with anybody. I think that's different. Okay, let's move on to talking about Ed. Is Ed a girl? Uh, For the purposes of this essay, we're going to go with yes. She's obviously, I think, closer to non-binary, but we're leaning towards, yes, she's a girl. Um, We get several references in the show to people asking what gender she is and being very confused. And I think this is a really interesting interpretation of what girlhood can look like, despite the fact that we know that because she doesn't have that connection to her parents and she's completely unsupervised and she's just kind of like a wandering wild child, that this is not an ideal model of childhood and that's not supposed to be an ideal model of childhood but I think she's allowed more wildness than a lot of other girls that I've seen in a way that boys are definitely allowed to be wild and roaming um but I can't really think of I think maybe Pippi Longstocking could fit into this just an unsupervised girl out in the wild by herself but that's really the only one I can think of who is able to have the kind of independence that she has. It is hands down the most annoying character. If I met someone like Ed in real life, would not last 10 minutes in a room with them. Absolutely insufferable. Um, But because it's a show when we only get her in small doses, it's very endearing. And I like that she's allowed to be annoying. She's allowed to make no sense whatsoever. She's allowed to be her weird sort of self without any expectations, really, of her following the rules. She can't follow the rules. She's Ed. Um, I think her body language really ties into this nicely. She is just basically liquid the way that a cat is liquid. Um, And the idea of her sitting still quietly and behaving is just, you know, never once considered, really. And despite all of her many annoying qualities, she's still a valued member of the team. Even though she's much younger, it doesn't really feel like any of them doubt her after they first meet her and see what they can do. And it's almost kind of a problem that everyone sees her as so capable because it doesn't really feel like anyone tries to take care of her in any sort of way. Spike, Jet, and Faye don't really take on like a motherly or fatherly role for her. Her own father is just kind of there for one episode. Um, 
And he's like, yeah, you should come back with me. But if you don't, that's also cool. Like, it, because she's so independent and clearly capable of caring for herself, nobody bothers to care for her. Other than maybe the dog. And there's clearly different expectations for boys and girls about how mature they're supposed to act and about how capable they're supposed to be about taking care of themselves and, you know, being able to feed themselves and being able to clean themselves and, like, all of these things that women are expected to do and be much more capable of where boys kind of get the bare minimum to the point of neglect very often. And I wonder if it would be the case if Ed was a boy. If Ed was a boy, would there be a mentor or father figure stepping in for them? Would it be more of a, this boy needs a firm hand sort of thing? But because she's a girl, that just doesn't materialize because she's taking care of herself, so it's fine. Um, I don't know what the answer is to that, but I think it's worth considering if things would be different. And now we get to the section that I call miscellaneous female representation. So when we look at women in the series as a whole, the majority of them are very fuckable. And I certainly would not say that about the men. I don't think the men are meant to be very fuckable, even though, of course, we have lots of attractive men as well. Um, For an immediate example, we can look at the Bounty Hunter show. The Bounty Hunter guy, he's just a regular chilled guy. He's in chaps, but not assless chaps, whereas the woman is just, like, barely wearing any clothes. It, It is what it is. I would say that there were only a couple of medium-sized characters that weren't fuckable. Um, Anastasia, which is obviously like a mother figure, so, you know, can't have her being too sexy because otherwise you won't be able to see her as a mom. (laughs) And uh, I really did like the Space Trucker Victoria episode, not just because my name is Victoria, but I thought she was a not terribly attractive woman who also got her like a full plot. We cared about her and we cared about her backstory and we're curious about her and she seemed fully developed without having ginormous tits, which is always nice to see. I wish that we had gotten a few more female villains. The ones that we saw were either kind of just kind of there, just very passive or um, just grotesque would have been nice to see more of like a 50-50 split with that, but not a big gripe. Uh, now let's talk about Julia, because we have to talk about Julia. Ugh. She is just so paper thin, she might as well be a cardboard cutout with femme fatale written on her in Sharpie. Her death scene is made out like it's the death of an angel, when clearly she's not an innocent or blameless person. She's part of a terrible criminal organization. She's shot people, a lot of people. She's not an angel. And she feels like the only character that's presented that way. And it just feels off that we only have this one character who's presented like this glowing idol of perfection, whereas everybody else is is down here. And I get that we're probably supposed to see her through Spike's eyes, that feels weak. She's really based in that kind of 40s film noir grittiness, but without any of the sense of grounded reality that comes with the rest of the show. 
I found her very difficult to invest in because she's not a human person. They didn't even really try is the thing. So we see with Ed and Faye and Victoria and a bunch of others that they can do good female representation that is deep and interesting. And yet with Julia that they built up major hype throughout the whole series. And then we see her and it's like, oh, oh, I don't, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's possible that I missed picking up on something here because I was just kind of like not super tuned in, but it, my personal theory is that Julia's depth was sacrificed in service of Spike's arc and just like the visuals the show wanted to create, they could have done something with her, but they just chose not to. And I think it's, it just feels lazy compared to the rest of the show. I know that they had to give us someone who that Spike felt was perfect, but I would have done it differently. It fell a little bit flat for me. So yeah, that is female representation in Cowboy Bebop. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Next week will be the final episode in the season. Very exciting. Can't wait to have you there. And hopefully there'll be another season. Unless you didn't actually like any of these, in which case there won't be another season. I don't know. It's up to the audience of one, whether they want more. Okay. Toodles.